that we are sheltering in place, that means we are fundraising in place. What does that mean for having a successful fundraising special event? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Sumi Bot-Kincaid. Sumi is the Director of Philanthropy for a remarkable nonprofit called Upaya. They do international work in terms of helping raise people out of poverty as they're headquartered here in the continental United States in Seattle. And Sumi, thanks so much for being with us on this Fundraising School podcast. Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. First of all, help our audience understand the good work of Upaya. Yeah, so Upaya Social Ventures is a nonprofit organization, um, and we fight extreme poverty by helping to generate jobs for the poorest of the poor. And so to give you a little bit of context about that uh, briefly is there are 769 million people worldwide who are making less than $1.90 a day, Mm. and a third of them live in India. And so what Upaya has been doing for the last 10 years is we are making, are working to make sure that uh, people have the opportunity to have a stable, sustainable job that lifts them out of that state of poverty. And the way that we do that is to support entrepreneurs who are building businesses in those areas, particularly in India, who can employ the extreme poor and then have the potential to grow uh, and employ more people in those, in those regions. And so, so far... Oh, so go ahead. (laughs) Please. Uh, And so, so far we've made 21 early stage um, uh, investments. We've been able to generate over 15,000 jobs so far. So Mm, thank you for your great work uh, on helping our neighbors all across the world uh, to to, uh, serve alongside them and and assist them as they move out of poverty situations. Uh, What is your budget at Upaya and how important are special events as you fundraise for your- Oh yeah. I will just say we are a very small organization. We're a team of 11 um, and five of us are in Seattle and six of us are in India uh, working. And so we have a, you know, a pretty modest budget of a a million dollars for operating funds. Um, And then uh, we also, part of the way that we fundraise is we actually have uh, an informal pool of recoverable grants that uh, is part of the investment fund uh, for investing in our, our small businesses. Um, And right now that last year, uh, we raised a million dollars for that fund as well. But so general operating is a million dollars. Events are extremely important to us. We have a gala every year in March uh, that raises around 200 to $250,000. And, you know, we are, um, that is, that is the funding that we count on to get in March that can take us through towards the fall as we start to see other gifts come in. Uh, So really important. Yeah. Yeah, this is 20 to 25% of your operating budget. And you mentioned yes. the month of March. That's when shelter in place started to be declared. And all of us around the United States remember that indeed Seattle was one of the first cities we were hearing in the national news uh, about community contagion, community spread. And all of us started becoming more and more aware of this novel coronavirus. So there you were in the middle of it all. Your special event was coming up. The invitations were out, the RSVPs were in, and suddenly everybody has to quarantine. How did you adjust and what happened? Yeah, yeah. So our event was scheduled for Friday, March 6th. And I can tell you now that a week later, uh, shelter in place was uh, was implemented here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So we woke up that Monday, the 2nd of March, and we all looked at each other and said, what are we going to do? And it was a really tough and frightening decision for us, of course, as a small organization, but also 
we didn't really know how bad it was going to be. We could have decided to cancel our gala. And in fact, everything would have been, could have been fine. And we could have seen a serious, um, you know, deficit in our fundraising. Um, on the other hand, we also felt like if we were going to be on any side of this, we needed to be on the side of keeping people safe. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision to cancel our in-person gala that following Friday. And so then it turned into a conversation of what do we do now? It's not an option to not fundraise. It's not an option to postpone this event. This is, um, you know, this is financing that we're expecting right now. And so that's when we made the decision to pivot and turn this into a virtual gala. So we put everything online and uh, the gala was launched on Tuesday with the goal of raising 200,000 by Friday evening. It was crazy. <laughs> So you gave yourself all of one day. You made the decision on Monday and you started on Tuesday. Yes. And the way that we did that was our team came together um, and we also included our board chair in that conversation and just talked through it, you know, and I think one of the impactful things that that we thought about that really pushed our decision was, okay, we're expecting 200 people to this gala. What if only 100 people show up and they know the reason the other 100 people aren't there is because they're afraid to get sick. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be the right kind of event that we want to have? Is that the kind of energy we want to have even going into next year, the memory of that event? And we said, no, we don't, we don't want to do that. And I feel like that really pushed us towards making, just being definitive um, and allowing the organization, us, as well as the people who are attending to be able to then start to plan moving forward versus trying to recover. So as we start thinking about practical takeaways for other nonprofit organizations, one quite candidly, is mindset, certainly safety and health of everybody involved. And that's a given in the math problem, but we're still going to call that out. And you yes. folks led with that first wonderfully. Uh, but then also a mindset of possibility. We can still do this. We can still try something here uh, in a way that certainly recognizes the stress of the moment, but also continues to celebrate our important work. Uh, and then a third takeaway I heard was we're engaging the board right away. We brought in the board chair Absolutely. right away to help us with these deliberations. And then Sumi, help us think about technically, what did you do operationally? What did you do yes. throughout this yeah. week leading up to Friday? Yeah, so let's talk through some of the tactics and logistics around communication plan, right? Um, one is we decided that we needed to have an, an email strategy where we were reaching out to our community on a daily basis. Because we only had four days, I think if you're an organization that's looking to do this over two or three weeks, you have to think about how to pace that communication. We felt like it was reasonable over a four-day period to reach out once a day on um, via email. Social media, we could do a lot more, right? And so we could share kind of on the side. But we had a daily email strategy where every day we made sure there was something new. And so it was videos about um, our job holders, a video from our CEO, Kate, a video from our, uh, our co-founder, Sachi Shanoi. Um, we also, uh, we did do a live auction, which we launched uh, halfway through on Wednesday. So that was another key piece that we did. So just making sure that we had a, a daily email strategy with an established rhythm, we found to be um, really great at engaging our audience. Um, another piece that we thought about was what is the pattern going to be in terms of energy, right? And so we started on a Tuesday and we predicted that on Thursday, people were going to start to get distracted because they have lives. <laughs> and lo and behold, that's exactly what we saw. We saw donations kind of pause between midnight on Wednesday and noon on Thursday. But mm -hmm. as soon as our email went out around 11 o'clock, 
we started to see the gifts come in again. And I think it's because people are busy. They just need the reminder. And so even if they just saw the headline, but didn't read the email, they went, oh, right. I was going to give Upaya some money. And so we tried to, to kind of make sure we were aware of that, that arc. Um, and that also includes on Friday, our last day, we had a challenge grant that we saved for announcing on that Friday to give people incentive to continue to give and kind of get us to our goal. So and I can who, keep going if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, no, the, yeah, let me just catch things. up a little bit here. This is great. And this is why you're with us. This is outstanding. Um, who received those emails? Was it just the 200 people who RSVP'd or did you open this up again to the entire invite list now that the situation had changed? Yeah, so the email did go out to um, all of the people who RSVP'd initially. So the main emails really were to that audience because in our minds, we were like, these are the people that were going to come anyway. Mm -hmm. But we did also start to share it on LinkedIn, shared it on Facebook, made sure that anybody that was following our organization was starting to see that as well. Um, so that was really the audience. Um, and if I may, I'm going to segue to talking about our table captains because I think this was a key piece for sure. us. So our table captains um, really took a lot of ownership in terms of helping us raise that money. Uh, what we did was, if you go onto our, our gala website, um, you'll see that we have table captain fundraising pages that were set up, which we went ahead and did for them. And then we had separate communications for them that we were sending, kind of to give them the inside track on what we were doing. And they were able to share their fundraising pages with their network and get people to start donating. And so there was a lot of communication in the background between our table captains, our CEO, our co-founder, all of us were talking to our donors, making sure they knew this was going on, just kind of keeping that momentum and energy up. And what's really interesting about that is I think because the table captains and Upaya was sharing um, in social media outside of just the gala itself, we ended up having 50% of our donations come from people who were not attending the gala. Mm. But I really think that it was from the network more than anything else. And you know, when we teach special events fundraising, we talk about the importance of having volunteers, volunteer committees, volunteer table captains. And had the event happened in person, those table captains would have had a job to organize their yes. table, have the contact information of those folks, help encourage their giving and so forth. You just deployed them in a different way now that the event was virtual. Yes, absolutely. And I have to say that Upaya is very fortunate to have very engaged um, volunteers, a very engaged board. So the, as soon as we, and this is another key piece, actually, we were very honest and transparent about what this gala means for the organization, the kind of impact that, it, that, that this can make both negative and positive, right? If we weren't able to raise the money. And so we, um, the minute we were able to engage with the board and, and our table captains on that level, they just, they mobilized, you know? And so I think that was key. And then as the week went along, Sumi, were you making just kind of a general request for philanthropic gifts in addition to the auction items? How was the philanthropic gift request being made throughout the week? Yeah, so just to give you a little context for the original gala, um, there's, uh, we have a silent auction, a live auction, and then we have the paddle raise. We decided not to do the silent auction. We had, I, I can't remember, but I want to say like 25 to 30 items for the silent auction. And what we didn't want to do was dilute the message during such a short period of time for raising money. So we put the, the silent auction aside and said, we can create a different event for doing that when we're all, you know, uh, allowed to leave our homes. <laughs> um, but the live auction consists of four to five items. 
So we decided to use that as an incentive to kind of keep the momentum going. But the main focus was really that larger goal of a paddle race. Can we raise $200,000 over these four days? Okay, so the question is, how did you do? What was the final dollar amount? Maybe, do you know, the number of donors? How does that compare to previous years? What was the result? So it was unbelievable. We raised $309,000 and our goal was 200. <laughs> uh, people just really came together and started to make donations. They also did a great job of engaging their corporations for matches. Um, that was something we also reminded people as we went. We had around, around 230 donors and I'm ballparking that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, whereas, okay, we were expecting 220 attendees to the gala, uh, you're talking about households, right? So 220 people does not mean 220 donations. It's usually more in the mid hundreds. So we saw more donations. And then, as I mentioned, 50% of those donors had, uh, were not coming to the gala. What a great story. Remarkable. One, one of the questions we've received also at the fundraising school as the pandemic has proceeded, you know, fundraisers have great sensitivity for their donors and they wonder, you know, should I be asking now? This is a challenging time. Did you receive any negative feedback from folks you had invited or people on your list? Did anybody say, hey, I got a pandemic over here. Uh, did you get anything like that from folks as you spread the word? You know, no, not really. People really came together and said, we understand this is a really hard and scary time. Um, and, and really, I will say that in general, the conversations even now that we're having, I feel like most donors understand that and want to support nonprofits to make sure that we don't start to see that dip, right, um, as, as we're going along. So no, I feel like we got a lot of positive feedback. Now, one thing I will say that I think is important is we also really um, had to make sure we were engaging with our sponsors, right? Like they were losing a visibility opportunity by not having this gala. Uh, there were very, there were lots of different ways that we had sponsorships where, you know, there might've been educational opportunities, meetings that were kind of happening on the side, those kinds of things. So we also had to think through having a, a, a plan for how to continue to engage them. And we didn't wait for them to call us. We made sure that we were going to them first, right? And so as soon as this happened, we were calling those sponsors and saying, hey, we want you to be informed that this is going to go virtual. Here are the ways we're gonna make sure that we call you out. And so we made sure that in our email correspondence, you know, there was one day where we called out the 5,000 level donors and we made sure that we listed them. Um, we made sure that uh, we even asked one of them if they would consider being a challenge match, you know, just different ways that we could engage them to try and give them as much um, as much visibility and acknowledgement as possible to make up for the fact that they couldn't do it at the actual gala. So you did that verbally and did you also put logos on the screens as yes. you did your work? What were the ways you provided visibility for your sponsors? Yeah, and so part of the email communications, we did the, the daily email came from our CEO, Kate Cochran, and she, we made sure that we acknowledged donors um, in a list on that document. And mm. then the gala website, um, you know, even on Facebook, we made sure that we called out different sponsors at different times and then we had logos on the website too. Sumi Bhatt-Kincaid is the Director of Philanthropy for Upaya, a wonderful international nonprofit that is helping raise people out of poverty. Uh, the United States office is in Seattle. And Sumi, thank you so much for teaching us uh, from this wonderful experience that demonstrates, yes, times are challenging, times are stressful, times are different, and yet we can still have a sense of possibility. Uh, if we just add some creativity to the situation that we're in now, 
even special events fundraising is possible. And, and folks, the other thing I love about this story is Sumi told us that their annual budget is about a million dollars. And we know from our good friends over at the Urban Institute that about three fourths of nonprofits in the United States have a budget of a million dollars or less. And so if you're in that range, you're not small, you're typical. And the Ohio story says you can have the same types of possibilities if you continue to follow these steps. Uh, it's going to be different, but you can still have success. Here at the Fundraising School, uh, we put our response together based on what we've heard from nonprofits, different challenges in different subsectors, different sizes of nonprofits, different regions of the United States and around the world. Uh, and so we've come up with a variety of resources that we're calling TFRS at your desk. TFRS for the Fundraising School, TFRS at your desk. We have these free podcasts. We have monthly conversations called Fridays with the Fundraising School. Once a month on a Friday, we come together for an hour to share ideas. You can vent, we can commiserate, uh, and we can learn from one another. We have our public courses. Most of them uh, have been moved online. The courses that lead to our certificate in fundraising management and our certificate in fundraising leadership are all available online. And we're hoping that at the end of August, we can come back with in-person courses in our home location of Indianapolis. So stay tuned uh, for information on that. Regardless of where you take those courses, we now have crisis response scholarships that can take 50% off the registration fee for those courses. So make sure you're pursuing that. And now we also have a, somewhat of a summer learning institute in current affairs fundraising, five half-day courses that lead to a new current affairs fundraising certificate on topics that are tailor-made for fundraising during and immediately after this pandemic crisis. All the information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school, where you can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up to date on this first day from the fundraising school.